Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Wednesday afternoon, October the 20th, 2021. BOL Senior Analyst Travis Schreier joined by Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter for us there at BamaOnline.com. Now, typically, we work with Charlie early in the week on this here podcast. Unfortunately, Charlie preempted or fortunately if you're an Alabama football fan fortunately Alabama picks up a four-star commitment from Traquan Fagans earlier in the week the defensive back prospect from Thompson High School verbals to Alabama on Monday so we had an emergency pod Charlie with site publisher Tim Watts so uh, we were a little bit preempted but here we are you ready to go yeah, I mean, I, I know how it goes with recruiting. I know how much our subscribers and readers uh, check out the site just for that. I mean, I'm I'm well aware of that. Uh, I think a lot of times Hank's their favorite person, and I'm the, the red-headed <laughs> stepchild. Oh, the stepkid. So, yeah, but um, no, I mean, it's this time of year, I, I feel the love, but the off-season, uh, whenever you have those um, recruiting weekends and things like that, I know to get out of the way and let Hank and Tim do their thing, so... I'm used to that by now, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's good news for Alabama. Um, you know, recruiting never stops; it never sleeps. And Alabama's what they've they had the number one class, so I guess they just strengthened yeah. their their hold on that. Yeah, just uh, 17 commitments now for the Crimson Tide, and with Tennessee and LSU home games coming up, big official visit weekends for Nick Saban and his staff. So you're certainly want to keep it locked to BamaOnline.com as Tim and Hank and the outstanding recruiting coverage you're going to get with us kicks into full effect in a stretch really in which Alabama doesn't leave Tuscaloosa until Thanksgiving weekend. Charlie also, it afforded you more time probably to put together that uh, Alabama and the NFL piece that you do for us on a weekly basis. And I mean, what the hell at this point, <laughs> Are we just covering the Raiders right now? I mean, is that what we're doing between the practice squad, the active roster for uh, the Las Vegas Raiders right now? It just seems like uh, they're loaded up with Alabama players. Yeah, I mean, you have what the the Washington football team was once Alabama North. Uh, they still have <laughs> a decent amount of players up there. But yeah, Vegas, if you take the, the active 53-man roster and the practice squad, they're up to nine Alabama players. And um, you, know, you obviously had a big week for Josh Jacobs, Henry Ruggs, Kenny and Drake. They all scored touchdowns. Um, you know, Alex Leatherwood's in their starting lineup. You know, Damian Square still still kicking it. You know, good for him. Love those me some guys. Damian Square, yeah. man. Those are the guys on their active roster. And, and now you have uh, Lester Cotton, HaHa Clinton Dix, um, Tony Brown, which I, I just love that Tony Brown's now a teammate of <laughs> um, Hunter Renfro. And, and today, uh, DJ Fluker out on the practice field yeah. as a member of the practice squad for, for the Raiders. So yeah, just a, a ton of Alabama flair. Really, like you said, a ton of Alabama flair in the NFL this week. I think 12 guys scored at least one touchdown. Uh, I think I read somewhere where Alabama was scoring between 20, 25% of the league's touchdowns this week. If that's not on a recruiting graphic, I don't know what will be, but busy, busy week for the quarterbacks, the running backs, you know, Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle both, uh, scoring and then uh, you know Trayvon Diggs continues to have just a huge season for the Cowboys. Got Mac, he got yeah. Mac Sunday. Well, he got Mac and then Mac got him 
on yeah, the very next play. Well, you know, Trayvon safety. was smart though. Trayvon started yelling at the safety on that play. Yeah, if yeah. you if you saw the replay, you yeah. know that's what every good corner does. Where the hell's the safety on that, right? It's, he's a smart man, but uh, <laughs> he's had he's had a really strong start of the season now with, with seven picks in six games. But I don't know if anybody's had a better season than Derek Kinsey. Um, you know, I, in my fantasy football draft, uh, I think I got him either with a second or third pick, and you know, thank the Lord for that every day. But uh, he's just it's people keep waiting the for the drop off. They keep yeah. waiting for the drop off, don't they? And it doesn't happen, at least not he's, yet. Like you say it about some people, but the dude is just he's different. Yes. And it's just insane to watch him. And it's I don't know. I don't, I've never really seen anybody like him just that big moving that fast and just oh. get stronger as the game goes on. He's he's an alien. And I know people say that about Julio Jones, but Derrick Henry is a legit alien. It's no secret at this point either with Henry. I mean, no. He's going to carry it 20, <laughs> 25 game, times per game, and he's going to hit the cutback on that zone play, and it doesn't matter. And for all the talk back going back to his recruitment about, well, is this guy going to be fast enough? It doesn't seem like he ever gets caught. You know, once he gets to the second level and splits the safeties, that's it. He's still doing it. Still housing runs from 70, 75 yards. It is crazy. I don't know my fantasy football team. I don't know how, but I don't have an Alabama player on it. That seems crazy, doesn't it? I mean, what are the odds right now with the with the infiltration of the, the Alabama football program at the next level? I, that's got to be kind of hard. It's not like I tried not to pick Alabama guys. I just the Crystal Methodist. That's the name of my team. We don't have an <laughs> Alabama guy on our on our team. I, I guess I'm doing good to be three and three without an Alabama guy at this point. Yeah, I mean it's tough. I mean, you just look at going through like a, a draft at the beginning of the year. Just close your eyes and and you know click on the page, and you're liable to hit an Alabama player uh, from that standpoint because just the running backs are playing well. There's a ton of receivers. Uh, that are doing big things. I mean, it's a shame Irv Smith isn't out there because they have a couple of tight ends that were, um, you know, viable options in the passing game and then the quarterbacks. And then now, um, you know, I, I don't really want to hit on rumors, but it, it looks like two of them might be on the move because the Dolphins and the Texans yeah. are, are talking about trade. And he wouldn't be going to Houston. It looks like a couple of possible landing spots for him would be uh, either Denver or Washington. And, and Denver would be, you know, he, I know Jerry Judy's on the shelf right now, but another reunion for receivers so uh yeah i mean but it it is like it i I only do the weekly roundup because if i dedicated uh, (laughs) all my time to to this alabama players in the nfl that that's a job in and of itself uh that would be a beat in and of itself and i wouldn't be able to to dictate any time to the actual team because everybody uh alabama has so many players in the league and they're doing so many good things yeah, they really are. And and you can congratulate me on uh, my Jacksonville Jaguars breaking their 20-game losing streak anytime you get ready. <laughs> Whenever you want to do that, Charlie, feel free. And it came at the expense of Tua and Jalen Waddell and Raquan Davis. And is Robert Foster still a Dolphin? I'm not sure. Uh, he's on the Cowboys practice squad. Okay. Well, they move. And so Tua played his ass off, though. Tua played well in that game. Threw for 320-plus. He did have an interception, but he had two touchdown connections with Jalen Waddle. Look, if the Dolphins don't want Tua, there are places they can use him. I think we know that at this point in the NFL. So uh, that will be fascinating to watch play out because you're right. 
kind of following the old social media timeline on Wednesday afternoon, that Deshaun to South Beach seemed to be picking up some steam. So we'll see where that goes. Hey, Charlie, let's get into some Alabama football talk. It is, what is it, the fourth fourth Saturday in October coming up? (laughs) Not the third, uh, but was once a really a, a rivalry anyway that was streaky in nature. Uh, but what Alabama has going right now against Tennessee, I never could have fathomed in my lifetime. 14 straight wins for the Crimson Tide. Interesting to hear Nick Saban earlier in the week talk about hoping to translate to the team how big this rivalry actually is. And he's going to have to work hard at it because so many of these guys were kindergarten, first grade, maybe even pre-K the last time Tennessee won a game in this series. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but you know, the players we talked to this week, um, only Malachi Moore's from the state of Alabama. So guys like Bryce Young, John Mechie, who came from um, you know California and, and Canada, like, they had no idea that this was a thing before they got to Tuscaloosa. And so it, it is one that uh, a rivalry that has to be learned because I think most people know uh, about the Iron Bowl to an extent. And I think those that at least watch college football, they've kind of seen the the blossoming rivalry between Alabama and LSU, but you know, the Tennessee game, like you said, I mean, it's been so lopsided for the last 14 years that um, a lot of these guys, it has to be, um, they have to be told about it. And, you know, I, I do think it was interesting earlier today on the SEC teleconference, both Nick Saban and Josh Heupel were asked about the, the rivalry and the legitimacy of it. If it's still one, considering that um, Alabama's won 14 games in a row, and uh, they both, you know, they, they said what you would expect. They answered the questions uh, the way that you would think they would. Uh, and, and Nick Saban, uh, it's almost like a broken record uh, this time of year whenever this game rolls around. He always talks about how significant this game is to so many people. And he includes himself in that now. Uh, but, you know, there's there's a lot of people that hold this as Alabama's top rival uh, or top rivalry game. And um, I think that's something that, that he – tries to relay to the players the importance of this game, not only to the program, but to the people that support the program. And, uh, you know, that's something they echo to us whenever we we talk about it, because this week, um, again, broken record, you, you asked the players just, you know, about the rivalry, what it means to them when they learned it was such a big deal to so many. And a lot of them do say, you know, it, it was whenever I got to Tuscaloosa and got to experience it for the first time. So, um, this is one of those that uh, it, it would be nice to see Tennessee be competitive and make it kind of relevant again, because I think it is one of the better uh, rivalry games in college football. But just in you know, the last decade plus, that hasn't been the case. Yeah, the big difference, obviously, between the Iron Bowl and the Tennessee series is that Auburn's beaten Alabama four times since mm-hmm. 2010. That constitutes a rivalry. When you go, when you keep the bagel warm to the extent of O for 14, uh, it becomes largely about nostalgia at that point. And uh, it's still a lot of fun. Don't get me wrong. Uh, And and I know a lot of people uh, on both sides both put it right there at the top of the list. But in terms of competitiveness, going to take Tennessee outright winning a game, too. You're right. Just to see Tennessee be competitive. We've seen that a couple of times during this streak. 2009 certainly comes to mind. 2015 in Tuscaloosa was a pretty competitive game during a another Alabama national championship season. But there have been a lot of steamroll jobs 
in that stretch as well. Hey, Charlie, um, I guess also a storyline you got this week. You got the uh, you got the defensive player trades from the offseason. Henry Toa Toa for Brandon Turnage, right? Yeah, uh, that that's certainly been something that's been discussed. Uh, we've we've talked to a couple of Alabama defensive backs and, and Malachi Moore and Jordan Battle, and uh, you know they've talked about how close they still are with Brandon Turnage. Um, I think both of those guys, especially Battle, who consider him one of their best friends, and and they talk on a near daily basis. You know, they say they Facetime him in the locker room, and they get updates on his daughter and things like that, and. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of trash talk. At least they're not revealing that publicly. Uh, you know, I don't think they talk a lot about football. But um, you know, even with the rivalry uh, being what it is, uh, they're happy to see him have success. Now he didn't play uh, a ton last week. He got a uh, a spot start against South Carolina a couple weeks ago, and you know piled up 14 tackles and earned an SEC Defensive Player of the Week honors. Had a really good game uh, for the Vols. But you know he was in uh, stepping in for. Uh, their talented starter Theo Jackson, who's back in the lineup. So I don't know how much we'll see him. I'm assuming he'll probably play on some special teams and maybe you know some spot duty somewhere else. Um, you know, Turnage is a guy that it sounds like they kind of move him all over the place. He started at Star a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, he's played some corner, he's played some safety. So um, it could be a, a, a myriad of different places we see him on the field if he gets an opportunity. But um, it sounds like they have a, a, a strong bond with him. I posted a, a story on the site this morning uh, for people that want to see some of their quotes more in depth. And then with Henry Toa Toa, uh, we didn't talk to Henry this week. That's not really that big of a surprise. But you know, Alabama players were really saying they, they weren't you know joking with him about it or, or anything like that. Um, but, you know, they talked a lot about him being the signal caller of this defense. And, you know, they thought he's he's done a good job. And the fact that he's been able to come in so quickly and, and learn this defense, having played in a similar system at Tennessee, I think has been beneficial. And, you know, likewise, just seeing some of the stuff that the Tennessee players and coaches have said, you know, they um, they've basically kind of echoed what uh, you know, Moore and, and Battle said about Brandon Turnage of how, you know, they're still close. They keep in touch. But uh, it's been a little more interesting. You know, some people have called him now the enemy, which is what you would expect in a rivalry game. Uh, but uh, it should be pretty fun to see him uh, before and after the game. He's probably going to get a lot of uh, handshakes, a lot of a lot of hugs and things like that. And I know he still has some pretty strong relationships up there in Knoxville. So let's talk about the health of this Alabama team following last Saturday's forty-nine to nine woodshedding of the Mississippi State Bulldogs over in Starkville. Understanding that we're taping this sort of in between media appearances for Nick Saban. He was on the SEC coaches teleconference earlier on Wednesday. We were going to hear from him once again following Wednesday's practice sometime around the six o'clock central hour in the evening on Wednesday. Where are we at on some important health statuses for this team as we look ahead to Saturday's matchup with Tennessee, Charlie. Yeah. Unless he mentions it in the opening, I, I kind of got it queued up uh, to ask him about a couple of guys. And you know, I asked him Monday about Byron young. Um, you know, he's someone, I, I don't think it really got publicized much. He didn't um, mention it after the game uh, against Mississippi state, but you know, young left the game and went to the tent They came out and looked like he had his shoulder, uh, some ice on his shoulder. He didn't have his shoulder pads on anymore. And Nick Saban uh, confirmed that, at least from what he was dealing with uh, on Monday. He said he's got a little bit of a shoulder problem and said he's kind of day to day. And, 
who couldn't really make a call on where he is right now. So we'll see if uh, how he's progressed. And then Drew Sanders, um, you know, he's missed the last two games with a hand injury. Uh, last week, I believe it was the same day, last week on Wednesday, you know, Nick Saban said that he wasn't available to play against Mississippi State. Uh, I know he's been out there in pads. I think he's been in a black jersey, at least last week. I haven't heard much about Drew uh, this week. But you know, last week, Nick Saban said it's not safe for him to use his hand yet. So um, he wasn't going to play against the Bulldogs. So we'll see how he's progressed in that regard. And and really, that's about it. You know, he had some some uh, things to say about Trey Sanders, who I know is a popular player uh, for fans to discuss. And, you know, he's talked about him making good progress. And uh, it was good to see him make some positive runs in the game. So, you know, Trey Sanders, I think, is getting more and more comfortable uh, being back and having a, a role in the offense. And uh, really, though, um, I think maybe the the injury note that got the most notoriety or most attention was the the big ass bruise on Dick Saban's left arm that <laughs> he sustained in the the post game uh, melee there in uh, Aggieland and uh, you know he, it's just it's just a, about a golf ball sized bruise which is a funny uh, analogy to use considering what happened in Knoxville on Saturday but um, he said he just kind of uses that as a reminder to of what happened, what it feels like to lose and and maybe some motivation. So I think that's about it from an injury standpoint. And honestly, you know, that being the case, seven games into the season, Alabama's in in pretty good shape outside the guys they've lost for the year already. Hey, you think during flex in the day since that A&M game, when Nick sort of walking through his players, like he's known to do, and we've actually seen clips of this where he's Mike during practices, you think Nick reminds guys of that bruise as he, he saunters through the the flex lines i bet he does oh absolutely um <laughs> he's uh he i don't know about a plus he might be an a minus trash talker and he likes to do that in practice i mean that's where that's where the d's nice jokes yeah. come in and so i'm sure yeah. you know he'll he'll walk by somebody and and mention it and um you know especially you know it's it serves as like he said a reminder you know he gets to you point out, you know, I got mm-hmm. this damn thing on the field after the yeah. game because fans are so much. I took, the field. I took I more damage than you did. Exactly. You played. You so, know that's. You know he's hit one or two guys with that. I'm sure that's been said at least 18 times on the field. <laughs> so he's he's that guy. He he likes to. For all the things that are said about Nick Saban, he likes to have fun with his players at practice, at least in, in that setting. And, you know, maybe some opportunities where guys are backfielding punts and things like that. He likes to get on the skill players. So I'm I'm sure. You know, some of those guys, especially the defensive backs, have heard that uh, since the AM game. You know, you had the uh, Tuesday, you had the video and photos that UA supplies to the media from practices these days. And you see Will Anderson leading the Bama Jacks. And not to take too much away from that clip, but it did get me to thinking. And it's still off in the, the, the horizon a little bit. But can you envision this Alabama team when it's all said and done having two permanent captains that are second-year players in Will Anderson and Bryce Young? It's very possible. I know Will has has, uh, been a captain for three games – or no, four games. I'm sorry. Um, And that's not necessarily indicative of of things. Usually that goes to some of the upperclassmen. But this year it's it's been – you've seen a lot of the same guys multiple times. You see – Will, you see Bryce, you see Fidarian Mathis, uh, Jordan Battles, uh, been a captain several times, uh, Mechie, Christian Harris, Henry Toa Toa. That's really about it. 
Uh, Brian Robinson maybe has been in that mix. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think at the end of the year, whenever Alabama has its banquet and we learn who the team captains are, which are voted on by the players, I'd be shocked if 31 and, and 9 on offense aren't, aren't two of them. Um, yeah, I think some of the other ones that could be mentioned are, you know, Phil Mathis is a fifth-year senior. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of um, uh, piggyback off of some of the things he does from a motivational standpoint. Uh, he likes to get the guys going. Uh, and then, you know, Battle, Mechie, I think those guys can be in the mix. Uh, but yeah, I, I would be shocked I, at this rate, Will Anderson, unless something changes, Will Anderson's going to be a two-time captain before he leaves for the draft. That's just what it's going to be. It's going to be this year and next year. Uh, I think the same thing could probably be said about Bryce Young. I think he's kind of been more vocal. Uh, he's also more of a, probably a lead by example kind of player, but he's found his voice a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, we, we knew that leadership was something Alabama was going to have to work on this offseason and find and have guys kind of step into those roles. And, you know, it's it's a young team. Nick Saban said that. I don't know if I necessarily expected a couple sophomores to really be at the, the top of the running for that. But here we are. And, you know, those guys uh, really led last week and got guys to rally around them. And if they can continue to do that, I don't think Alabama has a problem with a couple of sophomores doing it. Yeah, you know, we say all this and we understand Alabama is home to the three and outs, right? So you're going to have the need and the the availability, the opportunity for second-year players to step forward, even where intangibles are concerned. That being said, though, when you look at this Alabama team and what the Crimson Tide returned from a veteran perspective, it, it is a young team in a lot of ways. But because of COVID and because of some guys deciding to to come back for the extra year, it's not devoid of candidates that you would anticipate where a permanent captainship is concerned. So that still makes it very interesting uh, from from this Alabama team's viewpoint to have a couple of uh, second year guys in that spot. And and not surprising, though, because you, you sort of saw this coming with both guys Given the position Bryce Young plays, you hoped he would be in this spot. You needed him to sort of be in this spot as a leader as the team, as the year moved along. And again, with what Will Anderson did last year as a first-year player, certainly that opportunity was going to be available to him as well. So, Charlie, as we look ahead to Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium, Tennessee comes to town. Tennessee, a team also dealing with injuries especially on the offensive side of the ball where the offensive line is concerned. It's best offensive lineman, Cade Mays, a knee injury, a leg injury against Ole Miss last Saturday night. Not exactly sure of his availability. And when you think about offensive tackles, you automatically from the Alabama side of things, think of Will Anderson and coming off that destructive performance against state where he had the four sacks it was an interesting game, though, wasn't it? Because of how Alabama played defensively, they didn't really utilize another outside linebacker. And when you think about this week, that's going to be the case. Another outside linebacker is going to be in play against this Tennessee run game. So what are we anticipating at that other spot? Chris Braswell, Dallas Turner. Uh, does Alabama maybe on early downs go even bigger and play a defensive end the other side of Will Anderson, uh, it's a little bit of a flip back to having to be more stout, I guess, on early downs. 
Yeah, it was a little bit of a different look last week. It was kind of you know what we've seen from from Ole Miss and, and Arkansas this year that rush three in some instances and, and drop eight. So Alabama was in dime a lot, and it was honestly on the back end. I know that's not necessarily what we're talking about, but the back end got a different look with Daniel Wright playing safety, and um, you had Malachi Moore and, and Brian Branch in the slot. But you know, I, I think with both outside linebackers. I think Dallas Turner, if Drew Sanders isn't available, uh, probably gets to start there just because we've kind of seen that's how it is. Like the with Chris Allen out, your Jacks are Will Anderson and Chris Braswell, and then your Sams are Drew Sanders and, and Dallas Turner. And they can move those guys around. I'm not saying, you know, Chris Braswell can't play at the other spot, but that's just kind of what we've seen. So um I would imagine it would be that. And I think you know, Dallas Turner will probably get better. He looked to get a little bit more comfortable as the Texas A&M game uh, went along um, in his first start. And, you know, that's probably we'll, – we'll see a lot of that defensive front um, against uh, Tennessee. And I, I think when you look at the defensive line, we saw a lot more LeBron Ray uh, last week. I believe he got a start against Mississippi State. And for him to be, you know, getting more and more closer – uh, to, to full health, uh, I think that's big for this defense. He gives them another little bit of a, a pass rush uh, up front outside of Will Anderson. But, you know, I think from an Alabama standpoint, if it's going to be more of what we saw against A&M than what we saw from just a, a schematic approach on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to have to do a lot better job because that A&M, you know, we're kind of saying the same things that you kind of uh, primed us up for you know, with the offensive line. Uh, dealing with injuries you, you would think that guys like will anderson those defensive linemen are, are licking their chops but they never really got home on any of their pressures so uh I, I think that'll be a concerted effort to do what they did last week uh maybe with a different personnel package in terms of you know what they're able to produce or lack thereof against a&m so i think it's a it's a big game for the front because tennessee is going to want to run the ball and, you know, they might be dealing with uh, a quarterback that can't go and, and Hendon Hooker. So uh, definitely leaning on the run game and they're going to want to be able to to duplicate what they did more so from a pressure standpoint at, at Mississippi State than what they were able to do at a and Yeah, after Cade Mays went out on that opening possession for Tennessee last Saturday night, the Vols went on to give up five sacks. You know how many sacks Tennessee has given up in four SEC games this season? Sixteen. For a game, even by my limited math <laughs> background, as we've well documented on the site and here on the podcast, um, a league worst 25 sacks allowed by Tennessee in seven games. So you're right, though. You can't take the rat poison where it comes to that Tennessee offensive line, especially if Cade Mays can't go because we did see A&M with two true freshmen get the job done, especially when the game was on the line. So uh, you mentioned the potential for Hendon Hooker. He went out of that Ole Miss game late. Maybe it's Joe Milton behind center for the balls. Um, but that front seven for Alabama last week was a space game against Mississippi State. They want to spread you out with four wide receivers, get the ball out quick in space, try to make some plays. This week, as you alluded to, it's going to be more so, I would think, between the hash marks. So an opportunity for the Alabama defensive front seven Probably more DJ Dale, I would think, certainly this week. Um, you said it, more uh, base and even nickel defense. Certainly a lot of nickel this week after it being almost exclusively a dime week for Mississippi State. So a preparation switch. Although I think from a skill set perspective, Joe Milton, if it is him, you're going to prepare pretty much the same way for him 
both with his arm and his legs. Uh, but if Hooker can't go, that's a big blow because this is a guy who, in terms of accuracy as a passer and even as a runner, uh, what he had done, especially in SEC play. And it's not just Hooker. Tyon Evans, the leading rusher for Tennessee, missed the Ole Miss game with a an ankle injury. So the balls, again, at, at various levels of that offense – dealing with some issues. What about this Alabama offense moving forward? Do you feel like, I thought an interesting question too earlier in the week to Nick Saban was about this team's identity at this point. And he really didn't have a a solid answer. And I don't think it was a situation of Nick not wanting to go there. I think he, like a lot of people, still trying to figure that out. Although I would say offensively, at this point, you pretty much know what you're going to get from Brian Robinson. You know there's going to be explosive play ability from Jamison Williams. But otherwise, for this offense, where where do you sort of hang your hat right now, Charlie, if you're Alabama? Yeah, I think the, the good news is you, you have John Mechie starting to look like himself. Um, you know, Nick Saban, I believe it was um, a week or two ago, was asked about Mechie. And really his ability to step up as the number one receiver. And he, he talked about the injuries he's dealt with. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, late in the season last year, he had an ankle issue. He didn't really do anything in the spring and that kind of carried over into the preseason. And, um, you know, Mechie kind of, I asked him about this this week and he didn't really seem like it was that big of a deal, but I thought Saturday he looked like what we maybe expected to see from him going into this season. And not only just from a you know production standpoint, you know, he had a hundred yards, scored a touchdown, but you know, he had a damn good game as a blocker. And uh, that's a big uh, element of his game. You know, he had a really big season doing that last year and, and made some plays that uh, led to big plays from Devontae Smith. So I think, you know, him really starting to come into his own and, and be maybe what we anticipated him being is big for this offense because and the tight ends haven't really had a, a good run here of late after a strong start to the season. Uh, but if you can have Mechie and Williams and uh, you have you know Slade Bolden, who's a player they trust, you have Jojo Earl, who's continuing to get comfortable in the offense as a true freshman. You have a guy like Treshawn Holden, who has a good rapport with um, Bryce Young being uh, coming in the same class and working with the second team offense last year. I think the passing game uh, last week's game was was. Um, I think if you're an Alabama fan, you have to be optimistic about it because you saw some of the explosive plays and not just deep shots. You saw, uh, well, hell, the the touchdown to Jamison Williams was 75 yards. It was just on a curl route. He cuts across the field mm-hmm. and takes to the distance with a block from John Mechie. So I think with with um, you know some of those things cropping up, that's big because the running game has been strong the last three weeks. You know, Brian Robinson has been a bell cow, which is not necessarily what we anticipated from him. Obviously, the the injury to Jace McClellan uh, led to some of that. But, uh, you know, he's been really great. And, you know, Roy Dell Williams has done some good things. We saw some of Trey Sanders last week. Um, they've been they've been balanced. And uh, while I, I think, you know, it, it's not surprising that Nick Saban didn't have an answer for the identity question. Uh, we're starting to see Alabama kind of settle in offensively. We'll see if they can kind of stack some of those performances. But I think what happened at Mississippi State, going against a, a Mississippi State defense is probably pretty underrated uh, by most people. I think it was you know promising for, for what the rest of the season holds. I thought that performance pretty much sent a message to the rest of the schedule that, look, if you think blitzing us like A&M did in the first half is the way to go about it, we got some answers for that. I thought that was extremely encouraging, not only in terms of 
protection being better, but there was some stuff built in schematically, it looked like, Charlie, to ensure that Bryce Young would get the ball out of his hand maybe a little bit quicker. And, you know, the red zone fans that wanted Brian Robinson to have the football down there inside the five, they were fed. They were well fed in that that win over state uh, as well. And you talk about the next wave of wide receivers, you know, we'll see with Trayshawn Holden. Maybe that's the start of something big, especially if the tight end production isn't going to uh, step forward like we thought it would or as it had. Perhaps it will. It could come back as early as this week, but never enough. You can never have enough options like that in the middle of the field. And that's what Trayshawn Holden is going to be able to give this offense, I think, moving forward. And Ajay Hall certainly made some headlines <laughs> in the immediate aftermath. And I know Nick was asked about that on Monday. And I think pretty much the, the answer you thought you'd get from Nick Saban in regards to a frustrated, albeit talented player, who back in the spring had shown signs that maybe he's the next big thing. Maybe some folks went too far in hyping a Jai Hall. Uh, and, and, and I guess when you consider all the things in play here, uh, the arrival of Jamison Williams and his production, probably not all that surprising, right? Yeah. I mean, look, frustrated freshmen are nothing new. Uh, most of <laughs> us don't go to, to social media and, and say some of the things that Ajay did and he quickly deleted it. But uh, I know he's been at practice this week, which is a good sign. Um, he was at practice today. Um, and it looks like uh, they've probably had a discussion. You know, he's posted some things on his Instagram story to suggest that. And, you know, Nick Saban, um, he he said Monday what he's really said all along. You know he's he's been asked about a guy a few times uh, this year, this off season. Um, and you know he he talked about the talent that he has. I mean I think he mentioned it on the broadcast during the the A Day game whenever he's kind of mic'd up in that situation. But it's a it's a it's a situation where you have to do the right things on and off the field. And um, you know there's a reason when he was asked about Jacory Brooks. He talked about you know his willingness to play special teams. You know he talked about uh, how they need some of the other young guys to do that because you know some of the older guys who have you know kind of bided their time and 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 went through the special teams route to get on the field are still having to do it. Uh, so I think it's it's a myriad of things. Um, I think it's for the most part been quelled, which is a good thing because you know whenever you have a player, especially in this day and age of football, you say some of the things that. Uh, Jai Hall did on social media, you automatically assume transfer portal. And, um, you know, that hasn't been the case this week. He's obviously not put his name in there or anything like that. Um, but when you talk about Treshawn Holden, he's the, the beneficiary of something like this because you have guys like a Jai Hall and Javon Baker who didn't make the trip uh, to Mississippi State or Texas A&M, um, you know, that are maybe not doing everything they should be, um, you know, players like that, uh, that are, you know, working hard in practice, you know, they get the benefit of it. And, and I agree, you know, if you have a situation where the tight ends maybe aren't as uh, much of a factor as they were earlier in the season, a big body like Trayshawn Holden can be, again, the beneficiary, beneficiary of it. So, um, you know, up to this point, I know a lot of people were worried about the giant hall thing. It, it looks like that's quelled down a little bit and we'll continue to monitor it. But, uh, when it comes to Nick Saban, what he said Monday is what he's been saying all along. And it's just up to Jai and these younger players to, to do what they're supposed to do. You said it, nothing new. 
where young players especially are concerned. You can go back to A.J. McCarron. That's yeah. one that Nick Saban pulls from the the uh, file quite a bit uh, or has in the past when talking about frustrated young players. Uh, th- there's always going to be those. And, and uh, you, know, you just hope they, they hang in there and continue to do what they need to do. Hey, let's talk some Alabama men's basketball because I know you had access, at least partial access, to a workout on Tuesday over off Bryant Drive and Nate Oates always a lot of fun to hear from because he'll pretty much tell you exactly where it's at <laughs> he'll get specific with players um and so you know, what was the vibe uh we see some preseason polls Alabama ranked what somewhere in the top 15 that seems to be where we're headed as far as preseason rankings got some good play obviously in the not so secret scrimmage i guess against georgia tech over the weekend but man we're right around the corner to the start of another season high expectations and based on oates's comments i guess on tuesday uh reason for optimism where this team is concerned yeah i mean my man nate likes to talk i'll say that uh he's very <laughs> and uh yeah, those those press conferences sometimes you you know, we come away from the Nick Saban press conference a little disgruntled because they're they're short. But with Nate, I mean, man, he I think he's he's had two, all you want, yeah, so far, and and they've uh, combined to be about an hour long. So uh, yeah, he uh, and the thing is, like you said, he he keeps it he keeps it real. Uh, he doesn't really shy away from anything. Uh, he seems to be upfront and honest about um, his team and and what he thinks. And you know, he. Um, you're right, though. Um, they did have a, a strong showing against Georgia Tech and that close scrimmage in Birmingham on Saturday. They won 77 to 63. Um, yeah, he said they got a lot of good stuff out of that. Uh, but he, you know, he, he said that he has to remember that basically building an NCAA tournament, an SEC championship winning team like they had last year, that doesn't happen overnight. And, um, you know, some of the young guys, I think, are they're coming along. He said that J.D. Davison had one of his best practices uh, on Tuesday. And, um, you know, he and the young players are probably going to be counted on a lot, especially JD and, and Charles Bediaco. Um, but you know, with losing Herb and Petty and, and Bruner and Reese and Primo, um, you know, there's a lot of new faces and a lot of guys stepping into new roles and, and that takes some time to establish. But, um, yeah, I think he feels good about uh, a lot of the players they have. He had some really good things to say about Keon Ellis that he thinks is one of the best two-way players in the country. Um, again, he talked about Bediaco and, and how you know, he erases a lot of the mistakes that you have. And they really haven't had a player like Bediaco since Nate Oates has been around, uh, a real rim protector and a shot blocker. And I think he could be really exciting to watch. But, um, you know, he, he said they've got good guard play, and that's even, you know, considering that Namari Burnett's on the shelf with that ACL injury, and the bigs are coming along. Uh, Keon Ambrose is back at practice after kind of dealing with a minor issue last couple weeks. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're playing fast. The thing about playing fast, especially early on we have new players, though, is you're going to have some turnovers, so they want to clean that up. And, um yeah, but for the most part, uh, I, I think that he's excited about this team. He's excited about these new pieces. He's he's excited about what they have coming back with you know, Javon Quinterly and, and Jaden Shackelford, a couple of guys that were named first team all SEC uh, in the preseason uh, award voting. And, um, you know, Keon Ellis, Jawan Gary, uh, they've got some guys that they, they really like and feel good about uh, in, in addition to the players that they brought in. 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, we got Todd tip off Friday, um, their exhibition or charity exhibition game on Sunday against Louisiana. So yeah, it's that busy time of year where, where basketball and football are intersecting, but no Alabama fans are really excited to see this basketball season tip off. Yeah. And you talk about Quinterly and Shackelford as preseason first team, all sec guys, but to hear what he said about Keon Ellis on Tuesday, when you're talking about among the best two-way players in all the country, I might put my money on Ellis being Alabama's top preseason SEC player of the year candidate. I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people are going to pick that just because you know they're they're picking the big names. But I, I think Keon is is poised for a big year. Um, you know, I I vote in the preseason uh, media poll, and um, you basically just do projected order of finish. Um, you know, five candidates for first team All SEC and a SEC Player of the Year. And I, I voted for Quinterly. I think he's set for a big year. I think all the guards are though, and that obviously includes Keon Ellis and. Um, you know, we, we could see a, a situation, Nato talked about this on Tuesday, where you have Quinterly, Shackelford, Davison, and Ellis all on the floor at the same time. Uh, Small so ball, that, baby. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, Nato talked about this and broke it down. He did that a lot at Buffalo. And you, know, you could run into a situation where obviously, like you said, you're, you're playing with a small lineup. But, you know, do you want to, um, you know, change what you're doing to match the other team or do you want to force them to match you? And I think Alabama, with the way that they play, the the speed that they play with, that the latter is the, is the true statement and out of those two. So that that would be exciting. You, you can throw, you know, Betty Ako or Gurley or, or someone. Yeah, like I was going to say, just that. put Betty Ako out there with those <laughs> four and it'll even out, you know, yeah. put seven footer in there with the guards. So that that could be exciting. I think that just with with Keon and what he can do, not only the defensive end, I think everybody saw last year um, just his ability uh, as one of Alabama's top defenders, uh, not named Herb Jones. But, you know, his kind of progress as an offensive playmaker. Uh, yeah, he could be someone that sees a lot of minutes and is going to be tough to keep off the floor. Sneaky, sneaky SEC player of the year candidate, maybe Keon Ellis, certainly Quinterly has that potential as well. Shackelford offensively, we know has that sort of potential. And boy, Betty Ako, you're right. Just a different, different presence than what Alabama has had, certainly in recent years in that spot. Might have to go back to Roy Rogers way back in my day, Charlie. Now I'm really dating myself. I'm going so far back. I'm talking about an era where Tennessee used to actually beat Alabama in football every <laughs> once in a while. Roy Rogers, he was a a uh, human eraser of sorts there at the rim many, many years ago. Well, Charlie, as always, appreciate you taking time on the podcast. Notice how I didn't mention the Braves. Mm. Well, well, damn. <laughs> I, I will say uh, that was brutal. It man. was, that was I, brutal. I missed it because I was watching it. Um, You're better for it. Yeah. And I was obviously still trying to you know wrap up some basketball stuff and uh-huh. to, uh, to post the the practice photos and videos that UA sent out from yesterday. And, um, you know, it, it was five to two at the time and, uh, the wife and I were hungry. So we left and, and went and picked something up. And then I saw and my phone just started blowing up and, um, it wasn't Alabama related. So I kind of brushed it off. And then I, I looked at uh, the score and I, at first I thought, you know, maybe it's time to get the, the contact prescription updated, but uh, <laughs> it wasn't the case. So Braves oh, great, man, man. Uh, hopefully yeah. get a better result tonight. Damn ATL pro sports. 
Yeah, you know, I was just trying to enjoy some pizza at Heat Pizza Bar and a little cocktail, little styles, you know, and then, geez, yeah, that bullpen, that bullpen bullpened late in that one. We'll see. Yeah, still in a pretty good spot, but uh, we've seen the Braves in this spot before. So we'll see how that goes. Charlie, always good stuff with us here on the podcast. Always great stuff with Charlie Potter, of course, right there at BamaOnline.com. You can subscribe to both. You can subscribe to the Bama Online podcast. You can leave us a rating and review while you do so. That would be greatly appreciated and would help us out a good bit. We would certainly thank you for that. We would also thank you for joining us, of course, at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us. On the roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the world. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. Until next time, so long, everybody.